we've talked about the last couple of weeks here, talking about the Holy Spirit and mentioned last week the baptism, which of course apparently was a the wrong thing to mention at the time when you can't go into it in depth and in detail to get some details, but uh, we're going to talk about this this week. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, as um, the author here, and again, the notes that I'm getting and, and expounding off of uh, come from, uh, from the, the Fire Bible, and what it refers to is the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a means of God's grace. And that's kind of a, a high church thing that I heard a lot of times. The, the means of God, God's grace that get covered a lot are things like marriage. Marriage is a way that God distributes his grace to us. Uh, baptism by water is a way that God distributes his grace. Uh, death is a way that God distributes his grace where, where he sends, sends those and we, we're able to confess sins and to receive that and God's grace could be realized at that time as well. It can come through communion. Uh, it can come through um, what, what would be known as holy orders. In other words, if, if you felt uh, convicted to, to sacrifice or, you know, for the, for the Catholics or those that are in monks or those that they, they swear a, a debt of, you know, a, 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 sorry, a, a vow of poverty, that they, that they do that. Um, holy orders are, are things as well like ordination or consecration or those types of things as, as well. Those are means of God's grace. And this is one that I will tell you I wish they had talked about a lot and does not get talked about near enough. And when I say not near enough, it's the fact that there are so many people who have been baptized in water, who have been saved by grace, who go through life trying to to do things on their own and not recognizing that what's always missing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, how, many, how many of us, when we, when we got saved, that afterwards we go, I don't feel any different? Anyone? I don't feel any different. I, I got baptized or I, I got saved. I got saved when I was in, in junior high, lying in, in bed after a Christmas Eve service. And that morning we had had Sunday school and it was talked about as far as giving your, your life to Jesus and those. And, and I, I prayed that, that uh, prayer in my, in my bed before going to bed at probably one or two in the morning. So I guess it was actually Christmas, but we'll call it Christmas Eve. And then I didn't feel any different. I, I mean, I, I, had a, I had a yearning for this, and I, and I knew I was saved because that's what I was, I was genuine in asking. I wanted, I wanted Christ in my life. I thought I did a, a terrible job leading my own life, and so, you know, give it to Jesus, and he could probably do a better job of it. But I didn't feel any different. And there would be, there would be times that I would feel like this, this upswell, like you'd be on, on cloud nine, but then of course you'd, you'd go back home and, you know, it would, it would kind of wane off. And so it was, it was these little, you know, spurts that would come about, but even then I really didn't feel that much. I, I just felt like maybe I was, I was putting on a show, uh, or, or at least, you know, going through the acts, you know, I would have these, these little exper- you know, ex- excursions into holiness or something, but afterwards I always felt like maybe I was just kind of going through the motions, what, uh, what you would call fake it till you make it. And 
uh, so this was one that I wish would have been preached or talked about more in depth because there are so many Christians that have a heart for God that are doing it without it's, it's basically like like running on battery power that you know the, the power's you know decent it keeps you going but it's the difference between running on battery power on a nine volt and running on 220 power amen so we're going to talk about 220 power tonight and uh, this is pretty pretty simple for it and for four pages I will try not to speed nor will I try to take any extra time but we're going to talk about biblical facts first about the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, such people uh, have been born again spiritually uh, Maybe I'm skipping something. It is for all who have accepted Christ's forgiveness and given control of their lives to him. Such people have been born again spiritually. So there's not a doubt in that. They have been born again spiritually for that. Uh, Accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Receiving the Holy Spirit in this way, which is at the point of spiritual salvation, however, is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The second is that one of the one of the goals of Christ's earthly missions was to baptize his followers in the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, he, he, he both said, to, he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit, but he also said, I have to leave in order for you to receive the Holy Spirit. So all the time, if we can think of being born again, Christ's disciples were born again in, in his presence and carrying these things out. They had some success as it went, but there was something much different from being in his presence and being a disciple and actually receiving the Holy Spirit's power. Um, Jesus Christ himself did not begin his public ministry until he had been anointed. In other words, until he had received the Holy Spirit, he had been baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. Those are separate things. He He was baptized with water, but it was not until he was anointed that he would receive that. And of course, Jesus is God incarnate, so Jesus was still Jesus the whole time through, but it wasn't until he was anointed, until the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a, like a dove, that he received the Holy Spirit either. And uh, I just wanted to, to hit that a little bit. We, we talk a lot about Jesus being fully divine and fully human. And the importance to remember is that Jesus was, yes, Jesus. Jesus had the knowledge, had the understanding, had everything else. But Jesus, as scripture says, laid down his divinity in order to come and be human. Which basically takes all all options off the table to say, well, Jesus had an advantage. Jesus had no advantage. Jesus still had every bit the same, same ability to sin as the rest of us. He had every ability to be obedient to God's will as we do. He had every bit of the Holy Spirit in him that we will receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well. Jesus represented nothing extra as he had laid down his divinity. And that's, that's one of the great lies I think that Satan tells is the idea, well, of course Jesus could do it. Jesus was God and Jesus was divine and Jesus you know, could do all these things. There was nothing, and, and it's clear in here, there was nothing that Jesus did that we cannot do in the power of the Holy Spirit as well. Amen? That makes sense? That means 
cut, cut away all the rest of the stuff that said Jesus was, Jesus was special and some special ability because he was Jesus. Jesus in a human form has every ability that we do or vice versa. We have every ability in the, in the Holy Spirit's power to do the same things Jesus did. Heal the sick, bring sight to the blind, uh, speech to the, to the deaf, uh, healing to the sick, raising the dead, whatever it comes down to is in the power of the Holy Spirit and that was the anointing he was given. Okay. Huh? And we will do even greater things than he. That was, that's, that's an important note. Um, to be anointed, I want to hit up, means to be set apart, commissioned, and empowered for service. And that's an important part. This is, this is not something that is about us. It's not about, you know, we'll, we'll feel better, or, and we'll get to it at the end. This is not about the ability to speak in tongues. The end result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not so that we can speak in tongues. It's not to be able to do parlor tricks. It's not to be able to do things that make our lives easier or anything else. It is very specific. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is to be set apart, commissioned, and empowered for service. It means that we are going from being saved from, from hell's consequences, from being sinners, and we are choosing by request to be active. We are making that decision to be active and to devote ourselves, and we want God's power to be able to equip us with the ability to do it. So that's that anointing. Um, the next one is it is a work of the Spirit. It is distinct and separate from spiritual birth, and we covered that. On the day of Christ's resurrection, he breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, giving them a new life spiritually. He later, uh, then he, later he told them that they also must be clothed with power. So he first tells them, receive the Holy Spirit, but I want you to, to uh, I'll, and I'll hit this at the end, they did not receive the Holy Spirit for 10 days. So, so just because we ask, just because it is sent, just because we, we request it, does not mean it is an immediate thing that you ask and God delivers like he works for you. Amen? Okay. Um, he told them they must be clothed with power uh, by the Holy Spirit, and it followed their spiritual birth, which came by faith in Jesus Christ. It is still connected. It is faith in Jesus Christ. It is a grace that is given by God. It is not something that is by our own choosing, our own ability. Again, God doesn't work for us. It goes the other way around. Um, the next one talks about, um, well, here. Okay, when, when the disciples received it, they accepted the message of Christ. They were baptized in water and then received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A person can be born again or saved spiritually, which means the Holy Spirit lives within them, but still not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is not to say that the Holy Spirit does not live in us because the fact is that, that as we talked about a couple weeks ago, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is there because we are God's children. There is, the, there is a prevenient grace, a, a spirit, the spirit is within us that calls out in absence of God that calls us to be closer to God. 
that is always there, that continues to be there in salvation. It continues to, to be something that is awakened and more active, but it is not the same as doing that. We can still receive God's, God's uh, you know, what I want to say. We can, re- we can receive an anointing in a, in a way that God's spirit is still there. He's not withholding his spirit from us just because we have not been baptized. But that power and that set-apartness, if you'll excuse that, is only done through that baptism of the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit literally means to be filled with the Spirit. When we talk about being baptized in water, we are immersed or we are completely consumed with this. For the baptism, though, a person who is baptized in the Holy Spirit becomes saturated and immersed. This, they, they, they give the illustration. It's like if you take a, a cup of water and you fill it with water to the very top, it is completely filled with water, right? To be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and let, let's think of that in, in odds, in, a, in terms of we receive the Holy Spirit in salvation, so we are filled up to the, to the brim, but over time, it can, it can wane. It can go up and down. It can do whatever else. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be filled to overflowing, and it has a continual renewal so long as we stay within that. Um, we talk about that. Uh, there, was a, there was a camp song, something about a fountain. I can't remember what it was. It talked about a fountain, and it was overflowing. Yeah, that's it. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Do you see? Open prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly the nature of the, of the Holy Spirit's baptism is that we are filled to overflowing. It is no longer about just being contained and doing things for ourselves and growing and learning and whatever that's all about us. It is that we are requesting that we want more. And we don't want more for us. We want our lives to be about more for God's purposes because we, out of a thankfulness, out of an appreciation, out of a, a deep desire God has put within us, we want so much more for his purpose. Um, let me see. There was a note here. God's, um, the person who is baptized in the Spirit becomes saturated and immersed with God's presence to the point that it spills out over his or her life, and it is so evident that it influences others. So it's sort of like it, it overflows, but everyone else gets wet too. Amen? Get that? Okay. Um, in the book of Acts, the initial outward sign or physical evidence, and this is where we're going to get into this, is the speaking in tongues. Uh, the, the, in, the, in the spirit that prompted them. And this is, again, one of those questions. You remember we talked about descriptive and prescriptive, whether it was something that, that uh, came at one particular time and would not happen again, or things that were prescriptive. In other words, these are things that we should be doing you know, 2,000 years later just as much as the, as the, uh, the apostles did at that time. <coughs> and so this is an initial outward sign. It's sort of like if you, you want to see if, if things, things took, you, you pull the lawnmower motor and it and, you know, roars to life, that's how you know, you know it's got gas, it's got everything roaring. The fact that it continues on after that, you cut things down, you do other things with that and whatever else, and you shut it off, it goes back and forth. But, it's, but for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
it is, there is an initial sign. And I want to I emphasize, this is not a, well, you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you can't speak in tongues. Many people will not allow themselves to speak in tongues because of that, that, that idea. And so they, they still can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but until, and we'll, we'll cover this a little bit more too, until they allow the Spirit to completely take over or lead them wherever and to not be worried about what the rest of the world looks like, they may have trouble doing that. It is, it is, an, it is an indicator. It is not the only indicator. Um, and it also, as I, as I mentioned, it is not the end result. The idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, be baptized in the Holy Spirit is not so that you can speak in tongues. That is a, that's a sign. That's a, that's a result. That's a, that, that's not a, that's not the purpose. That's an outward sign of that. So, huh? It's an, it's evidence. Yes. Okay. So, and as we talk, the language that the, that, that it is a language that the speaker has never learned, although it may be a language spoken somewhere else on earth. And when we, when we lift up out of the first chapter of, of Acts, uh, sorry, second chapter of Acts, <laughs> sorry, I've been, everything kept referring to the first chapter, and I forgot this is the second chapter of Acts. When, when the Holy Spirit came upon those that were in the upper room, the 120 in the upper room, they began speaking in the tongues of those in the area. Because I want you to, to, to consider the area at that time was under Roman control, and all these people had different things. That's why, that's why part of the Bible is written in Aramaic. That was not their natural language. Their natural language was Hebrew, but they had been in captivity for so long that what they learned was Aramaic. That's why the, the Bible is in, is in the New Testament is written in Aramaic in a, lo- a large part, why his name is Jesus instead of Joshua, why it's, you know, all these other things that come up, why there's Messiah, there's Greek that comes in. All of these, though, the people that come during the, the, uh, the, the holy season of Pentecost, um, and by the way, if you, uh, someone, someone lined up, the, the, the meaning of the word penta and cost means 50 days. So, for all of the fear and whatever and animosity around Pentecost, it literally is you're afraid of the word 50. That's it. Okay. Um, so, at that time, when the Holy Spirit came down, they were speaking in the known tongues, though it was not their tongue. They were all from Galilee. That's why they say, aren't these Galileans? What are they doing speaking all this? They must be drunk. They must be doing this, whatever else. I would dare you, for any drunk that you could ever find, to actually speak coherently in their own language, let alone in another language. But... Right. Right. 
because as the Spirit is coming down upon all that are gathered there in that same time, they are, they are understanding by virtue of the Holy Spirit, allowing them to hear their own tongue for what, for what Peter and the other disciples or the other apostles are, are talking about. Um, whether a language is understandable to the heavens, in other words, a, a spiritual language, or like no other language on earth, it is a means of communicating with and expressing praise to God. That, I want you to hear that. That is the purpose of speaking in tongues. Is to communicate... I lost my place. To communicate and express praise to God. It is not, it is not meant to be something that is, that is to shame others, and we've, I've, I've heard this, and I'll admit, I, for the bias... Coming up and listening to a lot of, uh, we'll say holy rollers, a, l- a lot of Pentecostals, a lot of Assembly of God or whatever else that held it up that you weren't a real Christian unless you could speak in tongues, that the whole nature of it was not about them and it was not about that being the end result. It was to be uttering praises to God and communicating that. And that's where when we, when we hear in worship that there are, there are those that will speak in tongues and there will be an interpreter, it is because it is communicating God's language to us and communicating also back to God. And we need to, to reclaim that so that it is not something that draws, that, that not draws, drives others away. Because that is, that is definitely not the working of the Holy Spirit is to figure out ways to drive other people away. It is to draw people in to the love of, of God. Uh, the primary purpose of the baptism, and, and we're going to get into this here, uh, six, the primary purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to bring the personal boldness and power of God's Spirit into the Christian's life. You hear that? Bring personal boldness and power into the Christian's life. It is so that he or she can accomplish Christ's purposes with his authority. When I got ordained, there was a, there was a laying on of hands, and they, they would hand me my Bible and say, Take thou authority. And sadly, I had no idea what they were talking about, but it sounded good, so I said, Okay, I'll take authority. There is, there is a power in taking authority in the name of Jesus Christ filled with his Holy Spirit. It was sort of like here... Here, here's your directive, but you have no ability to carry this out except for us saying the same things over and over again. There's a lot of that, unfortunately, in tradition. When we hear things over and over and over, it's sort of like the Lord's Prayer. It loses, it loses meaning after time, and sometimes even the people that keep talking about it don't remember where it came from, and they can't tell you what it meant anymore, but we say it because it's tradition. It's sort of like that, that old thing where... Um, I'll say it's my grandmother, it's not, but um, I asked my grandmother one time why she cuts the ends off of the, the ham. And she said, that's, that's just the way that we do it. And she's like, I don't know. And so I asked my great-grandmother. And I said, why do we cut the ends off of that? Now, by the way, I miss, messed up the joke already. I asked my mom that to start with, and she said, ask your grandmother. Grandmother said, ask your great-grandmother. Great-grandmother said, well, you see, when we were kids, we only had a pan that was so big, and the ham we had wouldn't fit in it, so, in it, so we had to cut off the ends of the, the ham in order to get it in the oven. 
No one knows why they're doing it, but all of a sudden they're still doing it. And that's where this, this comes about, is when we lose track that, it is, that the whole purpose is to bring personal boldness and power of, of God's spirit into a Christian's life so that they can accomplish Christ's purpose with authority. The highest aim of this spiritual power is to cause Christians to be effective in spreading his message throughout the world. It is not some impersonal force. And we talked about that in the last couple of weeks. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not something that just hovers above, that comes down or, you know, christens your boat or whatever it is. It is a person. It is a person of God, of the, the Trinity. I really should put my finger on these before I start talking. Uh, it's not an impersonal force, but it is an expression of the Holy Spirit which makes Jesus' presence and power and purposes a reality for his people. It's, again, one of those where you, you're told you have the expectation this is supposed to happen, but you have no idea how this comes about. It is, the, it is specifically an expression by the Holy Spirit to make it a reality. Can you say that word, Reality. So many times we look at faith and whatever, and we think of it as very mystical, very impersonal, very um, impractical um, concept. That's what we're going for, an abstract concept. It is to make it a reality. A matter of speaking in tongues, the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is also not just a matter of speaking in tongues or having a deeper spiritual experience uh, Christ's followers are to use the Spirit's power to share Jesus with those who do not know him. What is one of the, what's one of the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Sharing God's word? Evangelism. This is where this, this comes out, that there are specific parts where the Spirit will endow certain people to be Evangelist to share in a special way, in a special exception of time driven by the Spirit, but let it not be misunderstood. The baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to share God's Word, God's Spirit, God's message to the nation. We do not have to wait for it. It is not something, and I, and I, think, I think maybe without putting William on the spot, but to do it again, it's the, it's the difference between feeling like somehow you can't do it and realizing you may be the only person that can reach someone's life and God gives an, a, a, a separation, a set-apartness to be able to do that and to give a special disposition for, for a good $10 word, to give a disposition to be able to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit that would have never happened otherwise. Amen? Okay, so we're going to get into, there are other results of, the, of a genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'll go through these quickly here. First is prophetic messages and declarations of praise. And again, we, we talked about prophecy is meant as encouragement. It's not this idea, if you, if you think even through the, the prophets, the prophets were, not, were, were sometimes known as going in and yelling at people, and that was not it throughout the entire Old Testament. Their purpose was to go in and bring encouragement to come back, encouragement to turn away from sin, encouragement to come back to God's presence, encouragement to repent and to be saved, not, hey, you, you, 
you done messed up and God's going to lower the boom on you. The purpose was to be encouragement and that is the same work of the Holy Spirit now is that it is meant to be an encouragement when prophesying. The next is that it also gives a greater sensitivity to things that offend God and grieve his Holy Spirit. There, and we talked a little bit about, about the, the wisdom when we were doing prayer earlier. It gives us that, that intimacy with God to be able to understand what grieves or what, what sits on the heart of God, what upsets God, what is offensive to God. So that we can confront it, not only in our own lives, but also be able to confront it in power and in authority and in witness to those who are offensive to God so that they might, again, be encouraged to come back and to not. In other words, to, to draw the line. And it's the difference, again, it's, you know, we hear a lot about love the sinner and hate the sin and that, but it's really to, to be able to have a sensitivity to understand what really offends God's spirit because of that, that intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The third is to have a life that brings honor to Jesus Christ um, the next one is new visions and comprehension of God's purposes. Do you ever wonder sometimes, what is God doing? The baptism of the Holy Spirit can have an expression to be able to understand why God is doing certain things. And some people may think that that's an impossibility, and I, I think there's definitely been, been parts, and I may have heard it elsewhere for it, but I think for all of this, the stuff that's going on in the last several years, I really feel convicted that God is wanting his people to be humble. We have, we have become arrogant. We have become too confident. We have been offensive to others. We have not been carrying out this kind of thing, to be encouraging and to bring people closer to God and do everything else. We, we are so involved in standing up for ourselves and defending this and defending that. We have become just this uh, kind of the, the human version of, a, of a, a country club with a cross on it. It's becoming very worldly in, in the ranks rather than a humility that God really seeks to be, to be seeking out his face and to be bringing kindness and compassion and grace and love and peace and faith and hope and everything else out of it. We're, we're seeing a, a lack of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to hit that in, in a couple weeks, but let me just say the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and I, it, I'll, I won't pick on Greg, but when Greg put it down as a, a thing for Facebook this week, we often look at the fruits of the Spirit as a backwards thing. We look at well, if you've got the Spirit, then you're going to produce this. You're going to produce that. You're going to produce, you're going to produce, you're going to produce. So what do you have a struggle with doing? That is not it. In the Holy Spirit, if we possess the Spirit, if the Spirit is in us, the Spirit produces those. Because the rest of the world has no problems being, you know, completely self-absorbed and impatient and non-loving and unfaithful and everything else, if we focus on a relationship with the Holy Spirit in us, that what, baptism or salvation or otherwise, the Spirit produces 
the fruit. It's sort of like you, you plant an apple tree and somehow take, uh, t- take it uh, personally that the apple tree doesn't produce apples. Now, you can, you can cultivate it and whatever else, but the fact is that the whole spirit or the whole nature of apples is in that apple tree. The apple tree produces apples because that is what is in the apple tree. It is not about the farmer that comes out. The, uh, the farmer just comes out and deals with extra things to keep it from, from being corrupted. But the apple tree produces apples, just like the Spirit produces love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, self-control. Did I miss one? I skipped what? Joy. Sorry. Joy. It produces joy. i got to remember that one. That produces it. So uh, the next one is that it is an active use of the, the various gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit, we'll get into depth and in detail, but it is specifically an active use. This, the, you know, while, while we talk about that the Spirit will guide and will direct and, and endow us with that, it is an active use because we are actively trying to do God's will and communicating God's will. God will endow us with those at different times because of his will and his work alive within us. The next one talks about a deeper love and understanding of God's word. And I cannot hammer this one hard enough. If we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is an outward sign that we hunger and we thirst for God's presence. And what is the easiest way for us to understand God's will, God's purpose, God's will for us, God's will for the world and everything else? It's his word. And we are, we are woefully silent, woef, woefully ignorant at times of what God's word is. Because we either, and, and as, a, as a pastor before, you can get into a place where it is functional. It is job-related. You, you, you read the scriptures in order to do the sermon. And you read the scriptures in order to have more sermon examples. And you read the scriptures, it is very functional, but it is not feeding. It is feeding for everyone else because you organized it well. But a, a professor, a wise professor in, in seminary said, you have to make time for your own study. You have to make time for your own prayer life. You have to make time for you to be in concert with God's Holy Spirit with with God's word if you are ever to survive because especially in ministry it can get pretty lonely amen even as a lay person it gets pretty lonely some days because we feel like it's us against the world and that's why it's important for us to be in worship is to to give God gratitude for what he has done for us, but also for us to also be able to feed one another in that presence, in that community, that communication. Um, I think this was the last one. It says, an increasing awareness of God as one's loving father. In general, the baptism of the Holy Spirit enhances a Christian's personal worship and empowers their public witness. That, but let's, let me say that again. It enhances a Christian's public worship and empowers their public witness. 
and I can testify to that, my worship has been cloud nine when the Holy Spirit is the, is the center of that. Coming back and walking that journey back and being able to get in the word and all that, it definitely enhances worship to understand why I'm here, why I worship, and to be able to, to come back to understanding that, that it, it is empowering that Christian witness to others. Um, God's word gives several conditions, and I want this to be heard, several conditions that must exist before receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. First is we must accept by faith Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. There is no shortcut. There is no way of of shortcutting anything. You have to receive Christ as Lord and Savior because he he is the ambassador of God's will in to, to instruct and to teach and to model after, and he is the one that makes it, he introduces us to the Holy Spirit. You cannot get introduced to the Holy Spirit without the one. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Well, no one comes to the Holy Spirit except by him too. Um, it involves surrendering, surrendering our own will, our desires, our purposes, our motivation to God. We must avoid and abandon anything that offends God. And that was, that was a hard thing. It wasn't a hard thing to abandon. It was a hard thing to recognize that what was standing in the way of God's spirit really taking hold was those little things that you, that you excuse away. Well, I'm not really that bad. Well, it's not really that bad. You could find all sorts of justifications, but when it came down to the, to the altar, you knew you're lying to yourself as much as you're trying to lie to God. And God's going, I don't think so. You have to abandon everything that, anything that, that offends God uh, so that we can be used as a, I like this word, as a vessel for honorable use. It's sort of like you, you don't, you hear all sorts of stories about using a, 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 a cracked vessel or something like that. And yes, we're all a little cracked. We'll, we'll give you that. But, but intentionally taking and trying to serve a purpose with something that cannot serve the purpose because it is broken apart, because it has not, it refuses to stay stuck together. Someone refuses to put the glue in, which is that salvation, that forgiveness, and instead says, well, I'm still essentially a big pot. I can hold, I can hold whatever God wants to put in me, but you're like all over in pieces. So you have to, you have to acknowledge that. We must avoid, oh, we got that. We must desire to be filled, uh, to be filled, Chris, sorry. We must desire to be filled. Sorry, there's a period that I didn't see. Christians should have a deep hunger for the baptism in the spirit and the fullness of God's presence, power, and purpose that the Holy Spirit brings. And I think sometimes we, we lose out on that is we don't hunger for that, that baptism. We, we expect it to be something blase and it's just another step and whatever I don't think I have ever hungered for something more than that, than that, that, that baptism to come about and to be full within like anything else in my life. And I cannot tell you what freedom there is in a life of feeling like I was constantly tied to my past and other things to realize that that was what was keeping me from having that fullness and not realizing that's what stood in the way. Uh, what part? Okay. 
desire to be filled. Okay. Uh, we often receive the baptism in answer to prayer. Don't be afraid to pray. Pr- prayer is what, what brings us in, brings us a communion with God for all of that. It can come through prayer. It doesn't have to be in some big sanctuary. It doesn't have to be in the middle of a, of a fantastic song that's really moving the, the church around. It doesn't have to be with all sorts of people, you know, uh, raising their voice and being in, in God's spirit. And, and we'll, I'll talk about, I say I keep talking about something later down, but we'll get to it. It is not an emotional response. It can be done in the privacy of your own prayer time to receive that Holy Spirit to receive the baptism can come simply through prayer. Um, and the last is we should expect that God will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Put away whatever doubt that there is. I'm not good enough. I'm not great enough. I can't talk. I can't do whatever else. Every other, every other person that, that God's spirit rested upon and filled throughout history kept saying, I'm not good enough. And he's like, I didn't ask you to be good enough. I asked you to be obedient and to be faithful. So ask and expect that God will baptize you in the name of the, Father, in, in the, name of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I'm going to hit these pretty quick. I keep saying that too. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is sustained uh, in the believer's life by consistent prayer. You hear that prayer word again? Consistent prayer is what maintains it, what sustains it. Uh, It is also sustained in a bold witness, worship in the Spirit, and a life that is continually growing in God's character. Uh, it may seem extraordinary at the beginning, and that's where a lot of times we get all that, that you know, that emotionalism that, that's there, and it wanes after time. It has to be sustained. It's not a, it's not a one-off that all of a sudden you're set on fire and you're, you're off on your own, because just like everything else, it is not about you and I. God's Spirit wants to remain and be active in it, and that means we have to continually be reliant upon God's Spirit to fuel that. Because, the, the, because receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not we, mean that we possess the Holy Spirit. It means the Spirit possesses us. Amen? The Spirit is what drives the Spirit in us, and if we are not constantly in prayer and study and worship and everything else and, and study, it will, it will fade. What that also means is that even when it fades, worship and prayer and study and all of those brings it back because it renews that, that connection to what God wants to do. Uh, it does only occur once in a Christian's life. So, so we're not going to do this. You, you keep coming to the, to the altar and you get baptized all the time. That's, that's not how that works. You get baptized one time. And we talked about Wesley go, going and, and feeling like, well, maybe I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit then. It's probably because uh, Wesley was baptized in the Holy Spirit long before then, but he had lost that connection to God's Spirit and gone on his way, and it was renewed in the church and in, uh, in Epworth. Never say Lutherans can't be, can't be Holy Spirit filled too. Um, there may be f- new or fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit. 
The Spirit brings a Christian into special relationship with God's Spirit that is to be continually renewed and maintained. It has to be maintained. We have to continually seek it out and renew it and fill it. We have to continually allow God access to us to be able to do that. Okay, so preparing for this, in case you don't have it already, and that's entirely fine. Um, Once you realize that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift from God that God wants you to have and a gift that you want and need, um, there may be questions. So one is you have to get right with God. And we use that a lot as as a, a thing. But you have to get right. You repent of the sin. The next is that you ask in faith. Everything that we receive from God is done in faith, not by our own will, not by our own goodness or anything else that's in us. It is done by asking in faith. So ask in faith, uh, have a strong desire for greater holiness, and that should be what accompanies your prayer, is that desire for something more to be something greater than what this life has, has us kind of centered in or even as a Christian, what we've, what we've kind of come to accept. Uh, be prepared. Some physical things may happen, and that is not uncommon. Uh, stammering lips, tears, trembling, shaking may, may accompany the extraordinary experience as God's power overwhelms a person's physical senses. But here's the, here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this. Do not try to manipulate the situation. This is not something that you can force. This is not something that you can, you can do in a certain order. This is not a ritual that you do this and you do this and you do this, and this is the result. That is not it. But Wesley talked about an emotionalism, and unfortunately that's been taken a little too far out of context. But it was the idea that our faith and, our, and God's grace is not about jumping and hollering and, and whooping and shouting and all these other things it does not come quicker when we got people surrounding us yelling and screaming in, in God's name or speaking in tongues or anything like that. It is not manipulated for our purpose. It does not come in our time. I mean, after all, if Jesus says receive the Holy Spirit and it is 10 days later, that's not that Jesus doesn't have the power. It's the fact that the Spirit moves in the way the Spirit moves. And it is not going to be controlled by anyone. Because if we're going to receive the power, I don't want a power that I can control. I don't want a power that I can, that I can manipulate or, or try to con- uh, persuade. I want, a, I want a Holy Spirit that drives me in ways that I would never dream is possible. The next one is stay focused. Receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a choice. Say that. It's a choice. You choose whether you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is a choice. Stay focused. God's Spirit does not overpower a person's will. It's sort of like all of a sudden, if you're afraid you're going to start speaking in tongues, that, that you, you somehow imagine in the, in the back of your mind that all of a sudden you're going to be walking down the street and all of a sudden you're going to burst forth and start... Just, burst forth and start talking in tongues. That's not how that works. It does not act against your will. It cooperates. You, you must cooperate with and invite him into your life 
and you still have control. You still have a free will. That does not go away. God gave us a free will at the very beginning, and that's how we get into trouble. That's also how we get into, into, into his, his presence is because he has given us the will to, to choose whether or not we serve him, whether or not we receive his Holy Spirit, whether or not we worship him, whether or not we pray, nothing is against our will. God does not move our will against ours. He believes that he is good enough that if we hear, if we will be open to it, that it will speak for its own. The next one, and the next one then is receiving the Holy Spirit, and this will be our, our end for it. There is no specific lengthy formula to, formula to guarantee being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, relax. It is not always an immediate process. And we talked about there was a 10-day delay between receiving the Holy Spirit from Jesus and being told that and actually receiving the Holy Spirit in, at Pentecost. It is the will of God to do that. We seek it out, but it is not something that we can control. Therefore, relax and God's will will come about. Do not get discouraged. The second is worship God. The, and this is where we got talking about the, the means. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a means of honoring God. It is not about what you get from him. It is about what he gives to you. Turn your complete attention towards Christ. Create an atmosphere of worship and thanksgiving by expressing love and appreciation out loud, not just in your mind. I don't know about you, but there are times in worship I just got to keep my mouth shut because I can get so distracted. And am I singing the right words? Am I looking the right way? Are people looking at me? Am I, am I distracting? Is something else? And I get so into this that I forget the whole purpose to this was to worship God. And so sometimes I just got to purposely focus on worship of God and not worry about anything else. And I can worship God with my mouth closed too. The next is seek the giver and not the gift. There's a, a song by uh, Natalie Grant that says, that says let me seek the, the healer more than a healing. Let me seek, seek the giver more than the gift. Let me seek you more than anything. I, that's really badly paraphrased. But that's really what that, that hits at is our focus should not be on tongues or a spiritual experience. It is about getting more of Jesus and his power in our lives. It is the, the Holy Spirit's desire and purpose is to draw attention to Jesus. That is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about, is to draw attention to Jesus. Savior of the world, Savior of our souls, everything, it is to draw attention to Jesus not for us to be focused on the ability to do something like it's a grand parlor trick. I had a friend that um, went into ministry, and he had a supernatural ability to remember Scripture. He could, quote, he could quote entire chapters of the Bible. He could, if he got in the middle of a sermon, he could quote with no problem where it came from. And at one point he stopped and I said what went on and he said I became prideful about this this gift to do that and God took it away there are there are times we can get focused on us the purpose of this is to draw 
attention towards Jesus and not about us. That's why the Holy Spirit's gifts are not about us. It is not possessed by us. It is not our gift. It is the Holy Spirit's gift. Our baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's not us. Leave your, and here goes into a lot of the, the speaking, and we'll, we'll hit that. Um, leave your native language so you can speak a new language. You have, to, you have to let go. We talked about surrendering like this. It's basically letting go of what you know in order to learn and to experience and to express what God wants to do. It freaked me out the first time I started speaking in tongues because I always swore I don't speak in tongues. We don't speak in tongues in the Methodist church. We just don't do that kind of thing. And I was in a four-square gospel church, and we were in the middle of a revival, and all of a sudden I started speaking tongues, and I just about died because I'm like, where did this come from? I thought I was possessed. Let it go. Uh, speak even if it does not sound like a language. It's not supposed to sound like, like anything you know. It, it, that's why it's a spiritual language. The spirit knows what you're saying. You're not even supposed to know what you're saying. Speak, when the, speak, speak the spirit's language is what this comes down to. Trust that you are getting what you asked for. God promises to give the good gift of the Holy Spirit to those who desire with all their heart. Often when people begin to sense the Spirit prompting them to speak, they are afraid it might just be their own words or simple, simple gibberish. That's a long phrase. And here's a summary. Expect the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can be continually filled with the Spirit. And keep in mind that, that it, was, it is just as relevant now as it was in the early church. This is a prescriptive directive. There are scriptures, and I didn't, I didn't give you five pages of scriptures this week, but there are scriptures throughout the Gospels, throughout Acts, throughout the, the epistles that, that Paul wrote. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, as I said, is, is back in the Old Testament as well. It is well documented throughout all of scripture, and it is to be used today. It is to be received today. God wants us to receive his spirit today in this time, not necessarily today, Wednesday, but God wants us to receive it now so that we can, so that we can receive and we can witness the same kind of revival that God had in the first century church. God wants to be able to be saving thousands of people because we are filled with his spirit as a church, as people, as disciples, as apostles, and not accepting anything less that the world says is appropriate. We need to be so filled in what God's spirit wants us to do and so centered on his word and worshiping him that that is our focus and everything else flows from that. Amen? We're going to bring this up again, and we're going to, we're going to do it a different time. I don't want to force it again. But I want, you to, I want you to take this in. I want you to read through the scriptures, read through Acts, read through whatever. Ask God to tell you where to go. I want, to, I want us to take the next week and really center on what God wants us to do. And if this is God's will, if this is God's desire for us, 
and if we recognize that this is our desire too. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to encourage it like it's the, the coolest thing to do because it's not about me and it's not about you. I want us as a church, I want you as disciples to have everything that God intended for you and I to have. I want you to receive more than just salvation. I want you to receive power. I want you to be witnesses for God's spirit, for God's will, for Christ's presence. I want us to see what this church, what this body will do with God's spirit innately in each one of us having been baptized and set on fire to serve. I look for that day and that is my prayer. And over the next couple of weeks until we come back, uh, we'll come back next week. I just, I don't think I'm going to be speaking next week. Bill can only handle so much. Um, but I want us to, to meditate upon that to see what is God calling us in that spiritual. And maybe it's not to receive that baptism because we already received it, but to actually receive an influx in his spirit that maybe we, we let go by, that we kind of ignored or we got used to or anything else. I want God to be able to renew that in us as well so that we are set on fire with his spirit in, alive in us. Can we pray before we go? Father God, we give you thanks and we give you praise for your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in the early church throughout the centuries and alive in our presence right now. Lord, for those that do have not received your Holy Spirit in a baptism, I pray that you would counsel with them your desire to be much more in their lives. And I pray that they would also recognize your desire so that they would hunger and thirst for what you would do. And Lord, for those of us that have already received it, Lord, I pray that you would set a fire in our souls that cannot be contained, that we would recognize once again and to receive the indwelling of your Holy Spirit alive, that it would echo and that it would identify with those who are receiving it anew and afresh. Let us be humbled before your presence. Receive our worship for you alone are worthy of our praise and you are sovereign above all else. Guide us and direct us in the power of your Holy Spirit to go into the world and to be your witnesses of the power and the majesty and the glory that you will bring about through your son, Jesus Christ, and through the co-heirs with him as well in each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.